Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Cassie. And I'm Christina. Have you ever had a guy you're dating try and pick up your brother? Have you ever been on a date where a guy showed up wearing the exact same outfit as you? Have you ever been on a date where the guy sniffs you as a greeting? If so, this just might be the podcast for you. Tune in to My Worst Date. Because let's face it, misery loves company. Candy. Soap nerds. <laughs> Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats of flights of fancy from the epic and magical world of music. And mystical and elves. Yeah. Wizards. <laughs> Hobbits. And dwarves. All of them. Yes. Swords and shit. And orcs. Yeah, and lots of orcs. There's just a lot of or- rings. Lot of orcs. Some fancy jewelry up in this shit. We're talking about Lord of the Rings today. Air horns. Yeah. Guys, the nice thing about having your own podcast is sometimes you just get to have a completely self indulgent episode, and this is ours. And you can talk about whatever the fuck you want. And we're going to totally explain music about Lord of the Rings to you in many different facets. So. Yeah. Put on your fucking nerd glasses, strap on your suspenders. It's one wild ride of psychedelics. On a giant eagle. We're your two favorite bards. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yeah, we are rolling in deep with some nerd shit, with some Tolkien. Fucking riding deep. I'm into s- Helm's Deep. Oh, that was off the top of your head. Yeah, I, I could did. Tell. I totally pulled it off. Yeah. I'm a fucking nerd. I'm I'm very excited about I'm, this. I'm trying to rein it in. Don't so hard. Don't rein it in. I'm trying. Just fucking no, go. if I don't rein it in, then I'm just gonna like go off and this episode is gonna be like five hours long. And it's, it's gonna just- be the first of our new Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> we could do that though. We could, except I'm not ready for the backlash from the people who really know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You actually read the books. So you've got that going for you. Yeah. I've only read The Hobbit because that was about as far as my brain capacity (laughs) could handle. Whenever I would pick up a fellowship, I just thought, no. You you read the YA version of Lord of the Rings, which is what I feel like The Hobbit is. It is. Which is not an insult at all. No, Hobbit's a great book. And it's it's a whole lot easier to read than the trilogy is. It is. But... uh, it, it compared to the trilogy, it's like the the young adult version of Lord of the Rings. It is though. He really skips over a lot of shit when in Lord of the Rings he's like, "Nah, I'm going balls out." Yeah. Well, I mean, he wrote The Hobbit kind of as a children's book, right? For children, and then he was like, "Oh shit, I could do like a whole fucking world on this shit." And so that's when he got super crazy into it and created this whole entire ridiculous complicated world around the middle hobbit earth. and middle earth and yeah. all that well he the hobbit came out in the 30s right and then it wasn't for about like almost 20 years until the lord of the rings trilogy came out um I there was a say, large gap i believe yeah i want to say it was like 
14 years maybe between The Hobbit and uh, Fellowship. Right. I think. But I mean, he had a lot of background to get yeah. down first before he's, he put those books out. Yeah. So. I just know I've read a lot about how people were really clamoring for that sequel. And whoo boy, did you get it? <laughs> did you get what you wish for? And everyone was like, this is complicated. Guys, this is, this is a lot, guy. It's He's like, that's okay. Just just read it. And it's now like the most Just watch the movies. Amazing. And if you can't, if you can't yeah. read them, the movies are still good. Yeah. I think. Both the animated versions from the seventies, I think. Oh yeah. And the new one newer ones from Peter Jackson. I'm questionable on The Hobbit, but I like The Hobbit, but I saw it before I read it. I don't yeah. You know what? You know what? I liked the hot dwarves. <laughs> I know I mean, people had issues with the hot dwarves, but, but have you seen Thor and Oakenshield? I'm okay with hot dwarves. And what's his face from who was was it the one that was in love with the elf? Like I, what the fuck no, was that? No, but like I loved the love story. I was all about it. Are you kidding no, me? I was no. all about it. The only elf. Dwarf love story there should ever oh be God, in Lord of the Rings don't. is Legolas and Gimli. She did it. She fucking did it. That is the only inter interracial thing. I'm sound totally racist right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you get a pass when you're talking about Lord of the Rings. I, I mean, no, I don't. No, I don't. I, it's, I mean, but you're also slash OTPing. So are you woke or are you racist? Who fucking knows? I don't know. But back in the day when Live Journal was a thing, I was oh totally, God, stop, stop. totally involved in a Lord of the Rings <laughs> slash fiction Live Journal <laughs> community. I was Aragorn. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm really excited because I always I wish thought- I could dig that up. No, because oh, it was I'm really always, good. Because I'm always the fucking super nerd. I'm always the real fucking. You're like, the slash like fiction writer. No, no, I just mean in general. Like you're gonna out nerd the fuck out of me today, and I'm so excited. <laughs> we actually totally forgot to mention what we're drinking tonight. Yeah. We we scooted right over that. Tonight we we're shaking it up a little bit tonight. Mm-hmm. We are actually drinking a Gandalf Monterey County Pinot. <laughs> It is, though. It's a Gandalf-themed <laughs> wine. I have Lord of the Rings-themed wine. Yes, you do. And you I bought I'll, four bottles of it. It was, and, the, it was uh, the only... I bought the entire case. Well, I don't I guess that's not a case, but they only had four. And I bought all four. I cracked open just one, because we got to save the other three for one occasions. day. special occasions. Special occasions, but the other three are going to happen when we do our marathon of the trilogy. Yeah. Extended versions only. Oh, extended versions only. Why even bother? If you're going to be stuck in your house all day... If you're going to watch... A fucking Lord of the Rings marathon. You better have the fucking extended versions. Yeah, fucking do it. Or else you're doing it wrong. Don't fuck What's it up. What's wrong with you? Call yourself a nerd. Whatever. You're fucking, we're looking at you. <laughs> Person who doesn't watch the extended version. Seriously. Just don't. Get your shit together. Get it together. Just put it in a backpack. And bring fucking... it to Mordor on your journey with the one ring. <laughs> I don't give just a shit. Bring, just get just it together. Get your shit together. <laughs> Get your shit together. Yeah. Anyway, let's get our let's shit fucking, together. Let's fucking roll in. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to go first. Yes. And I am going to discuss the awesomeness of the Lord of the Rings soundtracks. Boo, yeah. And 
I don't think a lot of people really understand how big of a deal the making of the soundtracks to the three Lord of the Rings movies was. This was a massive undertaking all on its own in a completely separate world from the production of the movies themselves. Uh. It was a fucking deal. I For real. It. The filmmakers knew how big of an undertaking scoring these films would be and wanted a composer who could really immerse themselves in the world of Middle Earth and essentially create a, quote, musical mirror of that world. And so the job was given to none other than the legendary Howard Shore. Hell yeah. Who has scored over 80 films so far in his lifetime, from The Fly to Silence of the Lambs to the Twilight films to The Departed and a gazillion Martin Scorsese and David Cronenberg movies. You didn't have to mention Twilight movies. I But that shows you the... The, the, the bre- range. The, the range, the breadth of his... Of his Ooh, abilities. Calendar words. <laughs> All right. But the Lord of the Rings score is what he would become most famous for. They had Howard come to New Zealand to the New Zealand set in late 1999, where he met the conceptual designers Alan Lee and John Howe, who are fucking amazing artists all on their own. Before they were even involved with the Lord of the Rings, they were... They were... Artists that were really inspired by Lord of the Rings to begin with, and they would like make up the these scenes in their heads from the books oh. and draw them out. So they were already famous in the the Lord of the Rings world for being um, very famous and very good conceptual illustrators. Good at what they do. They're very good at what they do. They're quite good. Um, they also met with some of the actors and screenwriter Philippa Boyens to get inspiration from the set design and immerse himself in the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. And he got to work in late 2000 and he composed the scores to all three films as a through composed cycle using various themes throughout all three movies. So, for instance, that penny whistle melody you hear throughout Fellowship of the Ring whenever mm-hmm. the hobbits are on screen... They use the same theme, or more technically, a leitmotif, in all three movies when the hobbits are doing something particularly hobbity. <laughs> yeah, so hobbity. So, like for instance, you hear that that penny whistle melody um, in like the very first scene that Frodo is in when yep. he's sitting under the tree reading, waiting for Gandalf to arrive to Hobbiton. That's how you know you're dealing with hobbits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then. At the end of Return of the King, mm. when uh, Sam and Frodo are finally at Mount Doom, and they, they're they almost to the entrance to throw the fucking ring in, yep. and Frodo is just like, he can't just even hoist himself up anymore. And, and Sam says, and Sam's like, I may not be, be able, able to carry, carry the ring, ring but, but I, I can carry you. you! And then he picks them up and like trudges up. Yeah. Ugh. They're playing that penny whistle That's right. fucking theme because uh, Sam is doing something super hobbity right then. He's being the most hobbit of all yeah. hobbits right there. He's being real hobbit. Right? That's that's yeah. gold standard hobbit moment right there. <laughs> gold star. You get a gold star, Samwise Gamgee. Good job. I think Samwise Gamgee should get a hell of a lot more than a gold <laughs> star for the shit that he had to deal with. Jesus. He didn't even want to go. He's like, I really don't want to leave the Shire. Yeah. Well, he, I'm going to go by myself. Yeah. Well, I better go with you. 
But but I am tied to this dude named Frodo now, so but well, Biffles now. So in all, over a hundred leitmotifs were used in the films. A hundred and sixty, if you count the Hobbit films, which Howard Shore also scored. The first portion of the score Shore wrote was the Moria sequence for a forty-minute teaser for the Fellowship of the Ring, as the rest of the movie was still being shot. Wait, did you say 40 minute? 40 minute teaser. That's not a teaser. Well, I mean. That's that's a fucking movie. That's a short well, film. I don't know who they're sending it to. So Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens had the idea to use Polynesian singers in this Moria sequence because of their unique singing style and vocal ranges. They have this deep and drawn-out monotone to their voices that are perfect for scenes that are inside the depths of a dark, foreboding mountain. Ooh. And if I don't know if you can conjure up this part of the movie and the way the music was, but it was very much like a yeah kind of monotone and deep, almost like a monk chant. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting that they thought to use Polynesian singers to do this. But I guess it yeah. kind of makes sense because they're from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Duh. So, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Um, the rest, Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I would like to add that Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens do not get their dues when it comes to Lord of the Rings. Okay. At least I don't think so. Because Fran and Philippa did so much work. This wasn't just Peter Jackson's vision. Right. It was the two of them also. And they had a hand, a heavy hand, in every aspect of these movies. They helped write the the screenplay. They did, they helped him do all of the research. They were producers. They, um, Fran Walsh wrote a shit ton of lyrics. Oh, And nice. a lot of music for the soundtrack and for the score. Yeah. They did so much, and they, every time somebody talks about fucking Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson, Peter, well, fucking Fran and Philippa, too. Don't forget about Fran and Philippa. Seriously, it's not just Peter Jackson. It's not. Like, that makes sense, actually, because that's a lot. And It's while a I, lot for one person. Yeah. It's a lot for three people, but. But it makes more sense if he had more help. Exactly. It wasn't just Peter Jackson's baby. It was definitely a baby to Fran and to Philippa. So nice. Kudos, Kudos ladies. to them. They absolutely deserve it. So the rest of the music for Fellowship of the Ring was done in London with the London Philharmonic Orchestra during the editing of the film. Of course. Three choirs were also used, which mm -hmm. were the London Voices, the Wellington Maori Samoan Choir for the Moria scenes, and the London Oratory School Boy Choir. Huh. So they had a an adult choir and a boy choir. They used the boy Damn. choir a lot for Fellowship of the Ring. I could see that. These choirs and the London Philharmonic were also used for scoring The Two Towers and Return of the King. So all three of them had that choir thing. Especially because um, every time Galadriel mm -hmm. was on screen... They use the choir. Yeah. Just like they would use the whistle for the hobbits, they would use uh, the choir for Galadriel. That makes sense, yeah. There were other, like, easily picked out leitmotifs or themes. That <laughs> as they would, it were. As it were, for the, throughout the whole series. Yeah. they. That's one thing I really appreciate about the soundtrack, is it's so 
meticulous and it's very well thought out. Nothing is there by, by accident. It's right. all by design. Absolutely. Which is for three movies that average about when you get the extended editions, what, four hours each? Um, three and a half? The first two are three and a half. The second is four or four and a half. Yeah. So this is arguably 12 to 13 hours worth of a story and everything is, no, this this has a purpose. This has a point. Yeah. There is a Nothing's reason. phoned in. Yeah. Completely. It's amazing. There aren't even regular two-hour movies that have that. Right. <laughs> but when all was said and done, Howard Shore spent four years composing the scores Damn. to the Im- original movie trilogy and composed over 13 hours of music that have been used in various formats. So if you think about it, he scored the three original films. Right. And then he had to do more music for the extended versions of these films. And he had to do some things for other things in other formats, like the video game and trailers and everything like that. Right. So well over 13 hours. I remember for the Two Towers, they used Clint Mansell's, I think I said his name right, the Requiem for a Dream score to advertise just in the trailers. And I'm sure Howard Shore probably took that and like made it into its own. But I remember how fucking dramatic that was. Mm -hmm. But it was never in the actual movie. Yeah. It was just in the trailers. (laughs) Holy shit, that's a lot of music. Yeah, it's a shit ton of music. But all that time and work would pay off because it would garner Howard Shore the most accolades and awards of his career. For his work on just the trilogy, he won three Academy Awards, Mm. two Golden Globes, and three Grammys, and the collective scores would become one of the most successful movie scores ever written. Yup. One of those Academy Awards was for the song Into the West, which ran over the end credits of Return of the King. This song never fails to make me burst into fucking tears every time I hear it. It's probably my favorite Annie Lennox song. Yes. I actually sang it at one of my recitals, too, when I was in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, and I was just like, uh... Uh, how many of y'all are nerds out there? This is from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm going to sing it now. Bye. <laughs> it's it's a great fucking song. The Return of the King never fails to make me burst into tears. Ugh. For starters, the scene when Aragorn is getting crowned king and he walks up to the hobbits and they bow to him and he's like, Mm-mm. my friends. You bow to no one. And then everybody tears. Buckets of tears. Buckets of you're a fucking mess for the rest of your fucking day because yeah. you yeah. can't. Yep. You and then, can't. And then you finally like get yourself, get your fucking shit together yep. for like yep. just enough to make it through the rest of the fucking movie. And then there's a scene where they all go to supposedly like see Gandalf and Galadriel off when they're Ugh. sailing to Valinor. And, and then, then Frodo's like, no, I'm going too. And everyone's like, no, where are you no, going? No. Frodo. He's like, guys, I went through some shit. <laughs> I really can't stay. I need a vacation. Forever? <laughs> like a forever vacation. <laughs> and then... And then there's that one part when he's like about to step onto the boat and he just looks over to the hobbits and then he does the rosy cheek smile and then he bursts into tears again. Because it's probably the first time he had a genuine smile since the first movie and you're like, he's so happy. He earned this. (laughs) Yo, may I just say, for all you fucking haters... (laughs) Who say, I don't like all the endings, Lord of the Rings. Eat a dick. What do you mean? It is a fucking 
epic tale of a journey of a fellowship. Like, how but, when you just want it to end after, like, he throws the ring into Mordor? Yeah. Do you and want it to be over? And you know what? It could have had more endings because they took out, like, oh, a giant oh. portion of Return of the King. Yeah, they because, took out the huge part where that for fucking Hobbiton was taken yeah, over by Saruman. Yeah. Be, be fucking happy that they killed Saruman in the two towers because he would have come back to Hobbiton with Grima Wormtongue yep. and took it over... Taken... I can't even pronounce words right. And taken over Hobbiton and enslaved all the hobbits. And then they would have had to go to Hobbiton and save all the hobbits from his deadly grasp. That would have been at least another 25 minutes. Yeah. So you should be thanking Peter Jackson. (laughs) You're welcome. And Christopher Lee even fucking boycotted the premiere of the movies because he was so upset that they took that part of the movie or of the book out of the movie. Christopher Lee. Is the OG deepest, baddest Yo. Lord of the Rings nerd to have ever existed in the world. Rip Christopher Lee. Oh, man. Biggest nerd ever in existence. Ever. ever. He was amazing. And I don't blame him for boycotting the premiere, but also I understand why they took it out. Yeah. Totally Again, get it. Again, people were bi- are bitching enough about, it's like a 45 minute ending. It's not an ending. They're tying the fucking loose ends together. Exactly. Do you want loose ends? No. Because that's what you get when you don't have a 45-minute ending. Right. And if there wasn't the 45-minute ending tying up all the loose ends, they would just the same people would just be bitching that there were loose ends that weren't tied up. Well, like, what happened after the Eagles got them? Why didn't they use the Eagles to begin with? Fuck nope. off. Nope, we're not addressing that. We're not going there. Not a, we're not going there. Not Please going continue. there. Please continue. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so you burst into tears when Frodo gets on the fucking boat. Yeah. And then fucking Into the West starts playing. And then you're crying in the movie theater for like 20 minutes. Oh my God. (laughs) Because you can't get your shit together. When I left, my I wore a hoodie. My sleeves were soaked and I couldn't wipe my <laughs> eyes anymore because my sleeves were too wet. I've never cried more yeah. in a movie than I did at fucking Return of the King. I can't even tell you how many times I saw that movie in the movie theater. I saw uh, Fellowship of the Ring 25 times in the movie theater. Two Towers is comparable. Return of the King, not as many times. You're looking at me like I'm crazy because I am crazy. And that's how much I love Return of the Ring. Oh, my God. That's um, a lot. At least, like, 15 times. This was granted back in the 2000s when a movie ticket was, like, what, $6? No, it was, like, it depended on when we went. We always went to in the Yo, matinees, matinees, so they were, were like, $6. What, six, yeah, yeah. Five or six bucks. But, yeah, burst into fucking tears every single time. And yep. now, still, every time. Anyway, back to Into the West. Yes. Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> so this song was written by screenwriter, producer Fran Walsh, Howard Shore, and Annie Lennox, who also sings the song. Yeah. The lyrics were written by Fran Walsh and is from the perspective of Galadriel. Oh. She's supposed to be singing a lament for the elves that have sailed across the Sundering Sea to Valinor. So it's kind of like it relates to the end of the movie where they show Frodo and Gandalf and Galadriel and Celeborn getting into the um, ship to sail off to Valinor. Right. Which is to the West. Which is the West. Yes. Yes. So Into the West was the end credit song for Return of the King, but actually each movie has its own traditional format song performed by a popular artist at the end of the movie that are also relevant to the major theme or storyline of that installment. Mm-hmm. So Return of the King has Into the West, yeah. which relates to, you know, this is the end. This is, you know, the end of our story. 
However, the story is going to continue on, if that makes any sense. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's ever really over, is it? In Lord of the Rings, no. No. It's never over. So Fellowship ends with a gorgeous song called May It Be, written Mm. and performed by Enya. Hell yeah. I love Enya. She's wonderful. (laughs) It's probably the lightest of the three end credit songs, and the lyrics echo the small shred of hope Frodo and Sam are feeling after breaking away from the rest of the Fellowship at the end of the first movie. Right. It is, I think, the only song that utilizes both English and and Quenyan words in the collective Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Right. So she's singing in English and in Elvish. Oh, I didn't realize it was Elvish. Yeah, she's saying uh, Mornier Utulier. Oh, that's right. Believe in you will find your way. Mornier Alantier, a promise lives within you now. Oh. So Elvish and English. It is a very help- hopeful song. It is. That's <laughs> the last Guys, one you'll hear. <laughs> things are going to take a hard left turn after this. Yeah. But my favorite end credit song is Gollum's song from The Two Towers. Really? Yeah, I love I that like song. I like it, but... Yeah, have you listened to it yeah. on its own? I, like a lot? Not a lot, just once or twice. Because okay. I didn't even realize till recently that it was its own song. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Duh. I don't Jesus. know. It just I guess I feel like it <laughs> sticks out so differently from the other two. Yeah, and that's the point. It's supposed to. That's the point, Maggie. That's the point. God. <laughs> but I mean, Two Towers really sticks out. That's true. And I will say Two Towers is my least favorite. It's everybody's least favorite. Really? I thought it was everybody's favorite. No. Are you sure? It's everybody's least favorite. Mm. I feel like whenever I say that, people are like, nope, nope, two towers are the best. We just got the fightings. But arguably Return of the King has the better fightings. I agree. The (laughs) Battle of Pelennor Fields is way more exciting. Than anything ever. Than Helm's Deep. Yeah. Way more exciting. I don't know. That's, I'm just giving you the reactions that I usually get. That's, well, they're wrong. Okay. I, I agree. <laughs> so Gollum's song was again written by Fran Walsh, who does an amazing job evoking Gollum's split personalities. Mm. She interchanges I and we, like Gollum slash Smeagol does in the books and movies, and uses language that Gollum would use. Like, and we will weep to be so alone is something Gollum totally would say. Yeah. We are lost, which he does say in the movies. Yep. We will never go home. Yeah. She actually uses language that Gollum has said before or or would say. And the song is performed by Emiliana Torini, who is an Icelandic singer. Mm. Um, it was originally supposed to be performed by Bjork, but she had to turn it down because she was pregnant. You know, when it started... You think like, it's Bjork? Is this Bjork? Yeah. Huh. They have similar voices. They do. But I think Torini's vocals are perfect for the song because she almost mimics Gollum's voice. Yeah. Um, And she kind of does that on purpose because I think they instructed her to kind of be kind of like throaty and that weird like... Andy Serkis just strolled in. Let me show you how to be Gollum. And she's like, all right. Let me show you how it's done. So along with the dark lyrics... Uh, Gollum's song really drives home the point that the person at the center of the song is really hurting deep down inside and truly believes they are alone in this world. Hmm. And did I say this before? Like, all in all, I think Howard Shore used upwards of 400 musicians. (sighs) 400. Woof. That's a lot. Yeah. Between the choirs, the orchestras, 
the singers, all of that shit. Damn. 400 musicians. That's awesome. And four years to complete the whole thing. Steady work is nice. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is pretty much the reason why Howard Shore has a name. Yeah. So. He's always had a little name, but this. This elevated him to like legendary status. And I know a lot of people probably haven't paid much attention to the scores to these movies. But seriously, if you want music that will just chill you the fuck out. Or pump you the fuck up. Or pump you the fuck up. (laughs) They will do both. Or make you cry and lay down in the fetal position and just want to (laughs) die. I mean... This is pretty good. I this is one of like the only soundtracks or the only scores I ever like bought and listened to a lot. Nice. And rewatching the movies and knowing the score so well really enhances your watching of the movie. Your experience. It does. It does. So there in these movies there were a lot of like extra songs. Yeah. Tolkien had a he created a really rich musical history in Lord of the Rings. And in the books, he writes, like, full lyrics to a lot of the songs. Oh, yeah. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> oh, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> we can get how- <laughs> Tom Bombadils. Yes. <laughs> Let's get going, kids. Uh, don't get me wrong. I fucking love Tom Bombadil. But you're also glad he wasn't in the films? I'm glad he wasn't in the films. I am. I know a whole lot of people would not say that and will probably be very mad at me. But... I completely understand why he's not in the movies. These are already long enough. We need to figure out what stays. He and what would goes. be his own fucking movie all in himself. That's it. And he probably will be soon enough. I hope so. That would be wonderful. The Tom Bombadil movie. That would I be a really good movie to get high to. Also. I still think they should just call it Weekend at Tom Bombadil. They stuff. <laughs> like just Weekend at Bernie's it, but Tom Bombadil style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they would have done in the late eighties. <laughs> Because I did weird shit like that. Yeah. So I'm just going to talk about a handful of the songs that actually made it into the movies. Oh. Because there's some that are really good and they're really relevant to the movies and some of the side storylines and shit like that. Nice. One of those is the song of Baron and Luthien. And this song didn't make it into the original theatrical cut of Fellowship of the Ring, but I believe it's in the extended cut. Okay. It's the story of Baron and Luthien, which mirrors the story of Aragorn and Arwen. And in the film, Aragorn is softly singing the song to himself as the hobbits sleep, but Frodo hears him and asks Aragorn who the woman in the song is. I believe this is after they had left Mm -hmm. Bree and they were going, he he had taken the hobbits into the wild. Yeah. um, And they were, you know... Sleeping and Aragorn was keeping watch, so he was singing to himself. And actually, Viggo Mortensen, who plays Aragorn, was already an accomplished musician. Um, He's put out albums since, Mm. and the four hobbits have contributed in some way or another, music like vocally or playing musical instruments on his albums. Both, I know both Dominic Monaghan, Mary, and Mm -hmm. Billy Boyd Pippin Mm -hmm. are accomplished musicians on their own. Outside of film, they've been in bands and done music. Mm-hmm. And I believe Elijah Wood contributed to something. I know he's musically inclined. I don't really know what he plays. All I could picture is like if Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin started a band <laughs> and called themselves the Sons <laughs> because they're the good son and there's like the good son and the bad oh son. Oh my God. Why hasn't that happened yet? 
guys, get Come on. on. What is Come wrong on. with you? <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. So the story behind this is that Baron was the descendant of Numenorean kings and Luthien was an elf, but they had fallen in love and wanted to be together. Sound familiar? Oh. After being killed by the wolf of Angband, he returned from the dead, not really sure how. He he just did. He just did. Um, it's Middle Earth. It's Middle Earth. They can yeah, do whatever they want. Yeah. And lived with Luthien in Assyrian, and she gave up her immortality to be with Baron. Baron and Luthien are also the great-grandparents of Elrond, which is how he got the name Half-Elven, as he is not of 100% Elvish lineage, but has Numenorean in him thanks to Baron. Right. Got that? No, I mean, I actually knew that. Yeah. Bully for me. I knew something. But if if you don't know a whole lot about Lord of the Rings, Elrond is not... Fully elvish. Yeah, so like him throwing some shade at Aragorn, you're like, yeah. come on, bro, you're a half elf. Yeah. So like, For bring real. it down. Also, that doesn't mean you like know more about this shit because like, whatever, you're half elven. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Um, So the lyrics to this song, I believe, are written somewhere. I'm not entirely sure if it's in the original trilogy or if it's in... Uh, the Silmarillion? the Baron and Luthien offshoot that Christopher oh, Tolkien uh, put out. I'm not entirely sure. But during filming, Viggo Mortensen approached Peter Jackson after putting the song to music and asked if he could perform the song in the film. So Jackson agreed and Viggo got to perform the song in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. So the melody that's in the movie, he actually wrote that. Isn't that kind of cute? You know... And I think you agree with me on this. When we first watched Lord of the Rings, we were both late high school, early college. I was, I believe, in my junior year of high school. Yeah. It was... Because we it were, came out during um, my birthday weekend. We were teenagers, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you agreed with this or not, but I was definitely more like, ooh, Legolas. Legolas. You're so hot and dreamy. Oh, yeah. However... When you're in your late 20s, early when 30s. When you get older. You're like, hi, Aragorn. You're, you give are- me a romance. <laughs> and you just push Legolas aside and you're like, mm, yeah, this. I want all of yeah. this. Hello. And that's then that's how you know you've matured as a woman. Is when you've, or, or <laughs> it's when man, you graduate. Or man, you know what? It's when you graduate from Legolas to Aragorn. Yeah. When you graduate to Aragorn, you know you're a fucking adult yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. I grew up. And I like that handsome ruggedness. Oh, God, he's... That beard. I was really sad when you see him in interviews he doesn't have it. I'm like, grow the beard back. But the beard. Maybe grow the hair back, Not too. the beard! Oh, Gimli. <laughs> and there, I'm sure there's women out there who are all about Gimli. Uh, probably. But they also look like Gimli. Whoa! Shots no, fired! I'm saying, because in the movie, he, the, he said that they... Dwarf ladies have beards. Yeah, they yeah. mix them up. <laughs> they, they do I play D&D I know this is true <laughs> so I think one of the most famous songs oh, yeah. to come out of the Tolkien uh, repertoire right. if you will is The Road Goes Ever On which is a song that is sung a couple times actually in Fellowship oh. of the Ring and I believe like most if not all of the lyrics were laid out in the book it was supposedly written by Bilbo, which is so cute. Oh, Bilbo. Um, and contains, well, Bilbo fancied himself a really good songwriter 
I bet he did. And he taught all of them to Frodo, and then Frodo would teach them to the other hobbits. And it's oh. super cute. Fuck yeah, hobbits. Um, but it contains several walking songs he made up for his unexpected journey in The Hobbit and continues to sing after setting off to Rivendell in Fellowship of the Ring. Right. So the first time we actually hear it in the movies is in the very beginning when Gandalf is riding his cart into Hobbiton. Oh. He's singing a song and it's, the road goes ever on. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, and then a little bit later when Bilbo does his poof, I'm gone trick Mm -hmm. during his birthday party and then he has to leave the ring in his house for Frodo and then he finally sets out and he's like oh I'm finally ready for another adventure blah 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 and he he trots down his path he's singing the same song but it's actually I believe a number of different walking songs that Bilbo had written that he kind of smooshed together oh okay and that's the majority of the lyrics to this song. But walking songs are a really big part of Lord of the Rings, especially to the Hobbits. In Fellowship of the Ring, there's... The movie really simplifies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, And really condenses the be- the first part of Fellowship of the Ring and takes out a whole lot of shit. They make it seem like they just... Like Sam and Frodo just run into Merry and Pippin and then Merry and Pippin just follow... No, it was all planned out. All this shit was oh. planned out. And there was 17 years between Bilbo yes. leaving and Frodo deciding to bring the ring to Mordor. Right. This wasn't just and some... In- the way I've heard it described is in the book, it's very... It, it's it's plotted. It's methodical. Yes. It's well thought out. But in the movies, what they do is they really turn it the ring into an immediate threat that yes. needs to be just squashed Which right away. It's fine. I'm I com- I am on board with that. Right. Because That's- it's a movie you can't fucking just dawdle. Yeah, you can't just be like 17 years later. It's like, well, what did they do? <laughs> Why didn't 17 he age? Well, cuz he's a hobbit. Let me explain yeah. how hobbits work. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me explain. They're they're basically <laughs> toddlers until they're 33. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like Frodo is actually 55 when he goes on this journey. Which is like 30 in our years. It's like not even. Yeah. Oh yeah, like 25. But anyway, in in the book, the hobbits, when they're, you know, in this journey Mm. and are just starting out, are constantly singing songs. Right. And there's there's shit that Bilbo taught Frodo. There's ones that, like, Sam just made up off the top of his head. There's, like, all these different songs. And the hobbits are supposed to be really good at just creating these songs up off the top of their heads. They're, I feel like they're kind of supposed to be, like, Irish- People, like older Irish people who were really into limericks and writing these, you know, short, cute songs. Yeah. And also that makes sense with the penny whistle theme that Howard Shore put into them. I feel like they have this very Irish feel to them in their culture and in their music and also lots of beer drinking. Lots of beer. All right. We've talked about this, but listeners probably don't know. If I were to live in Middle Earth, <laughs> I would fucking be a hobbit. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I like to fancy myself a Numenorian. You might but be. I I am far I too you could be. short and squat. No, to no, no. Be. Let's because I'm far too tall to be a hobbit. True. So let's take away our current physical attributes. In your heart of hearts, being thrown into Middle Earth, what do you think you would be? But see, I relate to Aragorn a lot. Right. So I feel like I would want to be either a Numenorian or maybe a ranger. Okay. I don't know, because I just want to, like, 
chill by myself and like fuck off to the woods and just do and if, shit. And if your weird little <laughs> hobbit friends happen to find you, you're like, all right, you can hang out with me. I didn't want to be friends with them to begin with, but I mean, they made their way into my cold, dead heart. So, because <laughs> that's what us hobbits do. Because yeah. I know in my heart of hearts, I know I'm too tall to be a hobbit, but fuck, man, I would be on that <laughs> hobbit life. Like, what? I like to have parties. Yeah. And like host people. I like fucking music and drinking uh-huh. and i don't know home is cool but i also like and can, fireworks like, are fun. fireworks are awesome and i'm mischievous i'd be like a mary pippin type oh yeah you'd oh, be a toque. totally 100 percent. yeah you are a toque if i ever saw a toque <laughs> except i am at least a foot and a half too tall to be a hobbit <laughs> god damn it but speaking of the hobbits yes and mary and pippin um, there was a Hobbit drinking song performed by Merry and Pippin during the Rohirrim victory celebration in Edoras and Return yeah. of the King called The Green Dragon. Was yep. it The Return of the King or was it Two Towers? I thought it was Two Towers. It was Two Towers. Yes, it was Two Towers. My notes are wrong. It's all right. Um, it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is a good example of how Fran Walsh and their lyricist, put multiple songs that appear in the Lord of the Rings lexicon together to make a new song relevant to the scene. Right. So this was like a hodgepodge of different songs and different lyrics thrown into one tight little scene so that you could show how the hobbits really love to drink, but also have a really fucking good time doing it. Hell yeah. And it's such a cute song. It's a really cute song. Yeah, so this song is a rousing tribute to the Green Dragon Inn, which is in Bywater in the Shire. Also another great way for the hobbits to keep the Shire with them in their hearts when they are traveling and far away and in the face of danger. That's how they keep their spirits up. They drink and they sing. I love it. That's what we do when it's karaoke. Hell yeah. (laughs) So we are, you are kind of a hobbit. Yeah. I'm going to say you're an honorary hobbit. Honorary hobbit. I'll let you be a ranger. Because I think in your heart of hearts, I can't take that away from you. Yeah. (laughs) You could just be our Aragorn. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) I'll just sit in the corner with my hood up smoking a cigarette. And we're just going to be like, ah, on the table singing songs, writing wrongs, (laughs) drinking around the world. So the last song that I want to talk about is called The Edge of Night. Mm. And this was performed by Mary... When he was in Minas Tirith after Gandalf takes him to Minas Tirith and he pledges his allegiance to Denethor because he felt really bad about Boromir dying. Oh. Um, so he's just kind of standing next to Denethor as Denethor fucking chows down on oh, his dinner. Oh, you mean Pippin. Pippin. Yeah. Was yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Did I say Mary? You said Mary. Oh, my God. I meant Pippin. I was like, I think she means Pippin. No, no I mean she Pippin. means Pippin. Oh, because the scene, like, I love it and I'm disgusted by it at the same time. Yeah, it's completely disgusting (laughs) i'm sure it's all on purpose but still yeah but it's another good example of that lyrical mishmash technique that they use yeah billy boyd's character pippin 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 um sings to denethor as he chows down on his dinner in the great hall of Minas tirith it's a pretty gut-wrenching scene because we hear pippin's somber and melancholy melancholy song over scenes of Faramir essentially being sent to his death by the order of his own father. Yeah, because his father was a fucking loon. He he was insane. Yeah. And he 
compounded by the fact that his favorite son is dead. Yeah. And he fucking hates Faramir and blames everything on Faramir. Why did my good son have to die? Why couldn't my bad son die? And Faramir's like, I just want you to love me, dad. I just want to do good. But it's a pretty dark set of lyrics, which makes it kind of weird for a walking song, because that's Mm. what it originally was. Oh. Um, You can have a sad walking song. I guess. For your sad walk. But I... I guess for Bilbo it makes sense because Bilbo is a traveled hobbit. Mm. Usually hobbits keep to themselves. They stay close to home. They don't do anything crazy. You know, it's they like to party and drink, but they they keep it like next door. But aren't know? the Bagginses like well known for the, being the, the Bagginses are weird. Yeah. They are the weird fucking family with the nice ass house on the hill. Nobody understands where they got their money from and they keep tight lips so every it's like they're the they're the reason for the rumor mill in Hobbiton oh. in the Shire. Yeah, that's that's it. Your that's turn. it for just the music of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's a pretty quick and dirty I guess. Yeah, that's a nice explanation. Yeah. I could have put so much more in there, but right, like we we did have to rein it in a little bit, <laughs> and I should have reined it in more because it's all right. I'm gonna do some clever editing. I'll figure it out. <laughs> so I really wanted to also talk about not just Lord of the Rings, but I want to talk about how it's really affected our music, right? Because you've really covered the music of the world itself. Yes, but holy shit, has Lord of the Rings affected our musical zeitgeist? A hundred percent. Interestingly, a shit ton of metal bands. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we'll, we'll get into them. Yeah. A lot of them. There's, and it's it's mostly rock. I can't really... I couldn't really find examples of pop or country or anything like that that's been really Well, that's why we influenced. don't listen to pop or country. I listen to a little pop. A little bit. A little bit. But like, it doesn't have Lord of the Rings in it, so what's... what? Why? Yeah, why? If there's no Lord <laughs> of the Rings, why am I here? Why? Well, arguably... And I guess this kind of is a nice bridge from what you were talking about to what I'll talk about. So Ed Sheeran did the song for, um, I think it was the Smaug movie in The Hobbit. Uh-huh. And it turns out, actually, Ed Sheeran is a huge fucking Tolkien fan. And, like, his mother, I guess, used to read him The Hobbit all the time. So he was a big fan. So a lot of people were like, oh, he was just asked to do the song. And I guess, like, he wasn't just asked to do it. He kind of, like, tried to get his way in there and be like, no, but can I do a song? Kind of like how he tried to get his way into that one scene in Game of Thrones. No, apparently that was all fucking Maisie Williams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I thought that they asked him to come as, like, Her a birthday present. And, like, she didn't know he was going to be in the scene. Here's my thing. My defense of Ed Sheeran. I want to like Ed Sheeran because he seems like a sweet little ginger boy. But at the same time... But his music is hot garbage. His music is fucking ridiculous. And I want to just think, like, maybe it's just because he's in this record deal and they're telling him to please put out hot garbage to make college girls' panties drop. But, like, he could have been... A legit famous musician without having to make that kind of music. I mean, I give him credit because he does play all of his instruments. And he just he doesn't just play guitar. Yeah. Like he knows fiddle. He knows a lot. So I want to give him credit where credit's due and hope it's all a bunch of contractual shit. But your music's hot garbage. Just but be a also, sweet ginger boy. It's been contractual shit for how many years now? You know, I don't think it's been as long as we think it's been. I think it just feels like a really long time because it's that bad. Uh, anyway, I suppose it's not really here nor there, but... I mean, 
He seems like a nice boy. I'm sure he's a very nice boy. I'm sure he's a very nice boy. But you know that kid didn't see the inside of a club till he got famous. So when you're singing them well, in love with the shape of your like, body, you're like, ugh. you didn't you didn't go to a club to see a girl. Someone Stop. helped you write that song. <laughs> Every- Which maybe respects. Yeah, and, you know, I have a little bit of respect for him just because every time I see him, no matter what it is, TV, video, magazine, whatever, he always looks really sweaty. And you know what? <laughs> I can relate to that. I relate that's to that. That's the best reason to ever like anyone ever. <laughs> like, that's the only reason why I kind of like him. He always looks sweaty. He just always looks really sweaty. <laughs> I get it. I'm sweating my ass off right now. I I get it, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. I get it. So not just Ed Sheeran, but many have felt the impact of these books. Yes. Many people. Not just us regular Joes, but fucking rock stars as well. You know, The Lord of the Rings has tales of bravery, friendship, turmoils of journey, love, greed, anything in between. And above all else, I think it's an underdog tale. You know, of these unlikely heroes oh, that yeah. just fucking rise to the occasion. The whole point is that hobbits should not have been able to do this. And they fucking did and it. And their whole personality is to be homebodies. They don't go on these unexpected journeys. They don't go on journeys, period. No. So that's why Bilbo was such a like weird legend Yeah. in the Shire was because everybody knew he went on this really epic adventure they don't really know what happened. They don't know what he did, and no. he won't talk about it. But everybody knows that he's rich now. Yeah. So now Frodo goes and does the same thing, yeah. and everyone's like, "What the fuck? Like, what's with these bagginses? Hobbits don't do this shit. What is your problem? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life?" And they're like, "You jelly," and they're like, "Kinda, kinda, <laughs> a little bit." And they were just like, "But this is kind of some bullshit." <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, this is definitely like, a tale is- of unexpected people doing unexpected things. Right. And also, every single race on Middle Earth is collaborating to, aside from the orcs, to rid their world of evil. Yeah, this is such a perfect harmony. It's an inspiring story. Everybody can just get along. Like, for real. Yeah, for real. And it just, it makes for such good storytelling. Right. So it's no surprise that these fucking musicians are hearing these stories and thinking, I can do something with this. Right. And quite frankly, think what you will, but Lord of the Rings fans are the OGs in the nerd community. Yeah. Move over Trekkies. Yeah. I know you think you're number one, but it's Lord of the- it's Ringers. Now, Tolkien, as we all know, expected his literature to be taken seriously, to be critiqued among the scholars. But what... And not that that didn't happen. It did. But you know what else happened? And what happened first? <laughs> Whole lot of nerds. That hippies in the 60s absolutely <laughs> fell in love with these tales. And they were all about it. And Tolkien was very much caught off guard. I'm, I'm sure he was. Yeah. I mean, it's really obvious that, I mean, Tolkien lived through the two world wars. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this book. It comes out in like the early to mid 50s. But by the 60s, you know, we have the civil rights movement. We have crazy assassinations. The Vietnam War is starting. There's still turmoil. There's still terrible shit. And these stories still relate to people. Mm -hmm. So it's this perfect escape from the grim realities that these hippie kids were dealing with. And it coincided perfectly with the massive art and music movement at the time. Obviously. 
it's a mystical world. And at this point, everybody was kind of obsessed with mysticism. Yeah, mysticism and magic. magic, witches, you know, all of this kind of shit was just right up their fucking alleys. Oh, yeah. So, of course, this, this fully realized magical world with all of these, like, crazy beasts and elves and wizards and everything is going to appeal to them. Yeah. People were so on board with it. And all of these these names, these places, these characters, these events from Middle Earth will make their way into the tunes of the time. Of course. Because not only are these songs a great place to escape through, but most of these themes were still relevant to the time, and many musicians would use them as a way to get their political or worldly message across. Well, a lot of people really think that um, Lord of the Rings uh, was influenced a lot by... World War Two mm-hmm. and the Axis versus the Allies. Right. Tolkien himself, I think, really denied that. Right. Um, I don't know if it could I have think, been subconscious. Yeah, I think he might not have meant to. Right. I don't think he, you know, really meant to have it like that. But that's totally how it came out. Yeah. And you could completely relate the t- the you know the War of Middle Earth at large against Mordor and World War II. Oh, easily. It's totally relevant to each other. Yeah. But I think it also really had, it it had an effect on people who were growing up and were young adults during the Vietnam War. Oh, easily. It had, it was the same kind of comparison. Because like a lot of these musicians, they were in high school, maybe a little younger, reading these books right. and seeing all this bullshit and thinking, I understand this. Mm-hmm. We'll just start right off the bat with the most well-known of obvious. all these bands. The obvious The most one. obvious. <laughs> the, if you didn't know this, really? Where, what rock are you living under? Right? The Zep. Yep. So Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, huge fans of Tolkien's work, and it definitely impacted their creativity plant in fact had one of his dogs and named him strider oh that's a good name for a dog right that's a great name for a dog can you imagine like a nice big old like like a black or brown dog just strider like come strider and he's like i feel like a like a irish setter or a pointer would be a good strider well obviously the song ramble on came out in 1969 and included opening lyrics that were a rough translation of the tolkien poem Namari? Namari? Probably Namari. Which was written in the elvish tongue of Quenya. Oh, you you said it right. Ah, fuck yeah! (laughs) I knew I was going to fuck up a lot of these words. So already, we're well on our way to Nerd City. Yeah. (laughs) Very opening. As far as the rest of the lyrics, we find ourselves following Plant around Middle Earth, where Gollum and Sauron are fighting over his girl. It's like a weird... Have you ever really listened to the lyrics of Ramble On? No. It's like, and Gollum and the evil one took my girl. Yeah, it's like a bizarre fever dream. That's creepy. Of Robert Plant's in Middle Earth and like with this hot babe. And this Gollum shows up and steals her and takes away his precious. I feel like when when Led Zeppelin does songs about Lord of the Rings, it's Lord of the Rings on drugs. Yes. That's that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Like, like Lord of the Rings, I think, is already a little on drugs, but this is on drugs. (laughs) This is on, like, LSD 
or yeah. shrooms. This is this is more than something. whatever Gandalf has in his pipe. Let's just yes, say that much. This is more than just you know old that, Toby. That that wizard weird. That it's more than that wizard weed. I'll tell you that yeah. much. It's more than that old Toby. Oof. It doesn't stop there. The song "The Battle for Evermore" have references to the Dark Lord, Ringwraiths, the Nazgul, bunch of other things. Most believe it's a song about the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, if the lyrics don't sell it, the music should. They went full folk for this track. Page played mandolin and acoustic guitar. Look, we're being served level 20 barred realness at this point. <laughs> It's such a fucking Lord of the Rings song. I'm not gonna lie. I looked up half these songs. I'm like, did people make music videos? Yep. Okay. Good. Just making sure that yep. our bases are covered okay, on cool. YouTube. Thanks, YouTube. Wait, are there like are there videos of scenes from the movies? Yeah, set yeah, like to fan song? videos. Oh, why didn't I even think to look that shit up? Because you didn't grow up with AMVs like I did. I guess. I'm still OG nerd up in here. <laughs> not with Lord of the Rings, though. You, you bury me. And of course, let's not forget Misty Mountain Hop, which is an obvious nod to the location that Bilbo traveled to with the dwarves and the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And but also where Gollum lived for a very long time. That's true. I forgot about that, actually. The song also contains references to a rally to legalize pot in 1968, where police arrested many in possession of pot that day. The main theme that Plant wanted the listener to get out of this song was that we should all be living in a better society, one that leaves their hangups at the door so people can live in peace. Like I previously mentioned, musicians could use lessons learned in Tolkien's mythology and apply them to their time. Because get the fuck over it, it's weed. Mm-hmm. Gandalf smoked weed all the time, and he's one of the best fucking wizards out there. So... And it's funny, too, because at this time we're seeing pins like Gandalf for president and Frodo lives yeah. and all this stuff. And I believe Tolkien was hearing about it and was kind of looking around like, what? What is this? What are you fucking kids doing to my shit? What are you doing? I, I do not agree with this. He didn't. Poor Tolkien. Um, wasn't Stairway to Heaven about Lord It was not. It was not. It wasn't. People think... Common misconception. It's a very common misconception that Stairway to Heaven is a nod to Lord of the Rings, but it's not. Paige was also really into magic and mysticism, uh-huh. and Stairway to Heaven borrows a lot more from that stuff, which could easily be misconstrued for right. Lord of the Rings references. Um, Which, which Led Zeppelin song takes... um. From all that glitters is gold. Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, that's yeah. that's in Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, they might have taken some lyrics, that's, but I don't think they were purposely trying to... Yeah, that's a poem that Bilbo wrote for um oh. Ar- to describe Aragorn. Like, not all that glitters is gold. Or do you mean uh, Thor and Oakenshield? No. Wait, really? Bilbo wrote it for Aragorn. Huh. Um, And it was like, not all that wander are lost, and not all but that wait, glitters is gold. Wait, isn't that in is The gold. Hobbit? It might be in The Hobbit. I don't know. But at some point, Bilbo writes it for Aragorn because he's describing how... Um, to not get... How Aragorn doesn't want to be king. So not all that wander are lost refers to how he's a ranger. But he's he's not lost to his heritage. He knows he's Isildur's ha- heir. Right. So, yeah. 
You mean like hashtag not all who wander lost. <laughs> I went to Thailand with my best friend and I pet uh, an elephant. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag so blessed. Hashtag not all who wander are lost. Hashtag living my best life. That would have been a great tattoo if every fucking dumb white bitch who goes <laughs> to fucking Thailand didn't use that. Oh, you didn't learn anything going to Thailand. Shut the fuck up. So another band that also severely takes a lot of their shit from Tolkien is Rush. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So both Neil Peart and Getty Lee, well-known fans of Tolkien and his work. Excuse me, it's Peart. Is it really? It's Peart. Yes. So fa- that sounds like a fancy drink. It, yeah. I feel like that's like somebody took a little like pear liqueur and mixed it with a nice white wine and it's a Peart. Well, maybe that's him. Ooh, I don't know. Let's do that. Let's make that a drink. <laughs> okay. I'm glad yeah. I'm recording I was, this so I can remember that. I was told several times by Mike that it is not pert. It's pert. It's pert. It is Canadian. It, it French Canadian. Pert. Pert. Oui, oui. Bonjour. Canadian. Baguette. <laughs> Both. Canadian baguette. Montreal. <laughs> Quebecois. We're sorry, our Canadian neighbors. <laughs> For their second album, the guys in this prog rock band decided they needed to show off their skills as avid readers by adding a track called Rivendell to it. Rivendell is a pretty important place in Lord of the Rings mythology. Indeed it is. If you don't know it, what are you doing? It's the great elven city, home to Elrond and Arwen, where Bilbo goes to retire after living in the Shire. That rhymes and I didn't know it until I just said it. That's adorable. You can start a rap with that. I The Rivendell never- rap! <laughs> If there's ever been a terrible idea. <laughs> it's that. It's that one. In the song, Mr. Getty Lee really captures the peaceful tranquility of this hidden elf refuge. It's just a nice, quiet little acoustic guitar and soft little Getty Lee's voice singing about Aww. the beautifulness of Rivendell. I mean, it is pretty. It is real fucking pretty, though. And it, it, But this song really brings you there. And I'm like, God, I wish this was a real place. I want to go to there. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically it was, because they built Rivendell in New Zealand when they were filming the movie. We gotta fucking go to New Zealand. They left it there. They should have left everything there. I know they left Hobbiton Hobbiton there. there. Yeah, Hobbiton is still there. Technically, the Shire is still there. I don't know if the Rivendell set is still there, but it could be. I believe it was for a period of time. They might have taken it down. They probably took it down, but yeah, it was a real place for for a hot second. Another song they were inspired to write was The Necromancer, which is what Gandalf calls Sauron. But overall, it doesn't sound like a direct retelling of Tolkien's story. Well, The Necromancer was technically a different character, I believe, in like the the history. Maybe. Um, Look, you, you've got a lot more of that under your belt than I do. I'm just it taking what been I've like, researched. It could have been like the small kernel of Sauron before right. the, the trilogy. Right, that's what I think. Yeah. And it, I th- actually, I think the necromancer may have been Sauron in disguise. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He because... was the Sauron in disguise. Yes. In the, in the in Hobbit? In the Hobbit. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Okay, yep. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. We got there, we yep, got yep, there. Yep, yep. But actually, so it's a tale of three travelers, which some could interpret as Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, because they're on this quest. Okay. But remember, the core members of Rush were three members as well. Mm-hmm. Getty Lee, Neil Peart. Yes. And Alex Lifeson. There is also a reference to Willowdale, which is where the three bandmates call home. 
Okay. So it's possible that in writing this song, they created parallels between their lives with the beloved characters of Middle Earth. Oh, that's cute. Right? So Willow Dale. That's pretty cute. Willow Dale sounds very um, elvish. Right? Also. Or Hobbit, Hob- Hobbit-ish. Seriously. There's a truly long list of classic rock bands that have inspired songs by Lord of the Rings. So please excuse me while I rapid fire some at you. Okay. Black Sabbath's song, The Wizard, is based on Gandalf himself, who not only inspires others with, but uses his magic to bring joy into the lives of others. Bassist Geezer Butler was apparently deep into the books at the time of writing these lyrics. Balls deep. Helms balls deep. (laughs) Pink Floyd may not directly be referencing Tolkien mythos in the song The Gnome, but they seem to have been slightly influenced by it when they wrote a song about a gnome called Gimble Gromble, who had a rather large adventure. Gimble Gromble? Yep. Listen to the gnome by Pink Floyd. It's about Gimble Gromble. I'm sorry, I can't with you, Pink Floyd. Genesis, the Peter Gabriel version. Because <laughs> you got to fucking... You have to differentiate. you got to differentiate. They came out with a song called Stagnation. While it isn't explicitly about the world of Middle-earth, many feels it invokes the spirit of Gollum, with lyrics about a lonely creature fishing for minnows in a slimy river reflecting on a long-lost friend. Aww. It's pretty Gollum-y. Yeah. It's kind of like when maybe he's reflecting on Deagle. Maybe because he killed shouldn't him. have killed your fucking friend. Don't but, kill your friend. You know. Because it's your birthday and you want the ring. I want the ring. It's my birthday. I'm going to murder you. Whoa. This got <laughs> dark real fast, Spiegel. With a name like Schmeagel, he was never really set up for much. Yeah. I mean, fishing's your forte. <laughs> Woof. What else you got going for you? <sighs> the ring? <laughs> it's your ticket out of this one horse town. I'm doing it, guys. <laughs> Fuck you. Many claim the Sticks tune, Lords of the Ring, is about the books. Duh. But... Dennis DeYoung has come out to say that's not the case at all. It's actually about how they finally made it to a level of rock star status. So are you comparing yourself to Sauron? I don't know. And why did you call it Lords of the Ring? I don't know. I don't understand. But apparently don't talk to Dennis DeYoung about fucking Lord of the Rings because he'll be like, that's not what that song's about. Whatever. I'm sure Renegade is a better song anyway. It is though. Yeah. It is. Yo, but like prog rock was all about that fucking oh that yeah sweet sweet nugget of Tolkienisms, but quite frankly, my personal favorite Tolkien influenced rock band attempt has to be when the Beatles tried to make their own Lord of the Rings film. What? Wait, which movie? Oh, oh, what? the Fab Four. No strangers to movies, having made two very successful ones. And some of the lads even went on to star in their own movies outside of the band. So they did A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. And Help. And Help. Yellow Submarine they didn't technically do. Because other people, it was animated and other people did the voices, which I was really sad when I discovered that. Oh. Yeah, it was sad. They only showed up for less two minutes of the movie. And they all fucking hated each other by then. So they bet that was all they were going to get. Yep. So all four, all four members grew up on the books in the 50s and wanted to pay homage. Is it homage or homage? I say homage. All right. We're going with homage. They want to pay homage to the story they loved so much. And they even knew, knew who each would play. Paul would be Frodo. Ringo would be Sam. George would be Gandalf. And John would be Gollum. 
talk about typecasting. Wow. Right? But why didn't they make themselves the four hobbits? Is that too obvious for the Beatles? I think it wasn't obvious enough. Maybe? I mean, really think about it, though. Like... Oh, like okay this Obviously, all kind of makes sense paul would be frodo because he would feel like he'd had to be the guy with the burden yeah and then like ringo's just he's just happy to be there so ringo he's gotta be sam Pip- no he would be pippin no he's gotta be sam but he's pippin he's, he's the comic sam. relief i oh i guess but if they're not gonna do mary and pippin then you gotta be sam Sam and Frodo are the main hobbits. Right, 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 right. I think that they no, thought no, no, no. they could take out Merry and Pippin. No, right. But if they're going to be the four hobbits, then Paul would be Hold on. Frodo. Are we recasting them as the hobbits yes, now? Yes, that right. is what I'm doing. Paul would be Frodo. Ringo would be Pippin. I feel like John, John would, would be, be Merry. No, no. I got it. But I don't think he's subservient to Paul. No, I want to hold up. So my version <laughs> is Paul would be Frodo. Uh-huh. And like you said, Ringo would be Pippin. Mm-hmm. I think George would be Mary. John would be Sam and fucking bitch about it the whole time. He would make, he would take Sam to a new level. Oh my God. Like the part where Frodo falls, he'd be like, get the fuck up, Frodo. You had to bring the fucking ring to the fucking... Fits a model. We're almost fucking there. I just want him to be like, you have two fucking legs. You can walk yourself over to the fucking... <laughs> and Yoko would just be gobbled. <laughs> oh, we did it. <laughs> we totally pulled it off. I mean, she sings like Gollum, so it makes Damn. sense. Damn. Shots fired. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Look, she's known we for did, art, not we her did voice. We, we recast. Uh, we recast the, the movie that never was. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> well, the boys approached Stanley Kubrick to direct as they loved his work up to that point. What? Yeah. Yeah. They wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct their Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> okay. However, he okay. thought. I'm on board, I guess. Weirdest fucking movie you ever heard of so far. Move your eyes wide shut. But I would totally watch it. Oh, I want to live in the universe where this happened. Right? Right. Why is that not this universe? Because we don't deserve it. Why did this... Tell me why this didn't happen. Stanley Kubrick did not want to take this on because he thought it'd be a severe undertaking because they wanted to compress all three books into one movie. Oh, well, you can't do that. But they wanted to do that. But you can't do that, So it's just why Stanley Kubrick didn't want to do that. So he just ended up doing some random movie called like 2001 Space Odyssey or some shit. I never heard of it. I don't know what that movie is. Nope. Never heard of it. I think he probably made the better choice. So, I mean, not comically, but monetarily and, and legacy-wise, yeah, he made the Legacy-wise, yeah, probably for the better. <laughs> not only did they have trouble getting their dream director, but uh, remember how I mentioned earlier that Tolkien re- expected his work to be taken seriously, but instead... Oh, I'm sure he wouldn't let the rights... Yeah, instead it was beloved by a bunch of kids, and he kind of really didn't love that. I mean... Okay, okay like- so imagine, if you will... When four youths with long hair on psychedelics approached him to turn his life's work into a movie, what do you think he said? Yeah. Yeah. And according to his friends, the fact that he lived pretty close to a local band that had practice sessions in a garage down the street from him at all hours of the day and night 
didn't really endear him to the music of the time. I mean, there was a good reason why The Lord of the Rings was never even put into any form of film yeah. until the late 70s. Yeah. And that was because everybody had to wait for Tolkien to die. Mm-hmm. And have all the rights to everything transferred to his son, Chris. Who was a little, a little more was lenient. slightly more lenient yeah, with slight. the rights. And finally allowed the animated version to come up. And then I can't even imagine the shit that Peter Jackson had to go through oh. to get the rights to do the movies. He had to suck a lot of dicks to get those movies done. Right. And we appreciate it. But, I mean, it's not... It wasn't just the movies. They had to get the rights to do video games and action figures and toys and all of that other shit. So it was a lot for Christopher Tolkien to give the rights for that. And that was the only thing he gave the rights to. Yeah. Absolutely nothing else. So and now that's why there's a huge deal because Christopher Tolkien just passed. Did he right? die? Didn't he pass? No, I think he just gave up as uh, the the CEO of oh, the I Tolkien he Empire. Away. I don't think he passed away okay. yet, but he's in failing health. He's very old, um, and he knows that the he can't really make sound decisions anymore. Oh. So that is why Amazon immediately purchased the rights yeah. and is now in development for a TV show. Which, yeah, which it sounds like mm. it's more prequely stuff, which I could be on yeah, board it, with. It really, I don't think it's going to have anything to do with any of the Lord of the Rings characters as we know them now. Right. It's all prequel stuff. Granted, there is which is plenty fine. of There's shit. So much for them to grab to, from to go from, and they don't even have to make stuff up. No, it's not like Game of Thrones where if you do a prequel or you go off on a tangent on this one character, you have to make it up because. George R. R. Martin can't get his shit together and actually make this legendarium that I still Tolkien think. Has I done. still think he has it all written and he just hates us and won't <laughs> put it out. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, they were very strict on the movie rights, so obviously Tolkien would and never honestly, fucking let this happen. I'm I don't even fine. think Christopher Tolkien would let this happen. No, I don't think so. Just imagine like fucking In Sync or something tried to do. A Lord of the Rings movie. Stop. That's so much easier to cast. Right? (laughs) Because everybody... Okay, so Justin Timberlake is probably going to be Aragorn, right? And then the other four would be the Hobbits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know I'm right. Think about it. Moving on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to want to cast this now. You you mull that over. I'm going to move on to Beyond the Prog Rockers and the Hippies. Because they weren't the only ones into elves, oh, no. orcs, sword fights, wizards, dwarven wares, goblins, and you get it, you get it, yep. you get it. A lot of <laughs> shit. Enter the metalheads. Yes! Meow! <laughs> Metal is a genre of music that heavily uses metaphors of magic, horror, and a large array of fantasy. Its themes of good versus evil are prevalent, so it's not hard to imagine that these kings of darkness spent their high school years Eating up tales of Middle Earth. Yes. You know that nerd you knew in high school? He's a metalhead now. Yep. He might even be in a metalhead group. Like, a, he might be the head of a band. They might even have a podcast and be girls. Yeah, they could even be girls who, <laughs> who are like, I could practice my instrument or I could just fuck off. <laughs> Guess what I chose. So, we'll start with Megadeth. 
In 2009, their album Endgame contained the track This Day We Fight, which is a blatant nod to the line said by Aragorn in the third installment of the trilogy, Return of the King. Yes. And Mustaine was heavily influenced by the speeches made by Aragorn before the Battle of Morannon and Theoden before the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Mm -hmm. So he was like listening to these speeches and thought, man, this is so fucking inspiring. I want to write a song that inspires people like this. So there you go. Right off the bat. Thanks, Dave. Good job, Dave. You did just fine without Metallica. I feel like See? I need to remind him. I do too. Like, you're, <laughs> you're fine, fine without Metallica. You're fine. You Megadeth the- is great, and a lot of people like you more than they like Metallica. Yeah, so, like, good for you. You did great. And you did a song about Lord of the Rings, so you're doing just fine. You're already ahead of the game. But you know what? Hey, let's go back to Norway, eh? Yeah. Visit some old friends who use tokenisms to help create an image to brand themselves. Firstly, there's Burzum. Yay! <laughs> Good old Varg. Good old Varg. I literally put that in my notes. Good old Varg Vickerness. <laughs> Yay! Uh, Why am I yaying him? He's a white shouldn't. supremacist a piece, piece of, of shit. shit. <laughs> he is, though. But I just... If, if you don't know why we're yaying, then go back and listen to our black metal episodes. Norwegian black Norwegian metal. Black, I'm sorry. Our Norwegian black metal episodes <laughs> from back in May. While none of his music really has any Lord of the Rings references or stories or imagery or anything, the band itself is the Black Speech, which is the official language of Mordor, mm-hmm. for darkness. Yes. And Varg himself is named after Count Grishnok. Yes. Or Well, he yeah. calls himself he calls Count himself Grishnok. Count Grishnok. It was, I believe it was... Lord Grishnok, maybe? Or just Grishnok? He was the captain of the orcs. Yeah, he was the captain of the orcs. And he chose the name Count because... Varg. Um, uh, because Varg. Varg. Because it's Varg. According yeah. to Varg. According to Varg. <laughs> oh, Varg. can't believe you're not in jail. <laughs> well, then there's Gorgoroth. Yes. A little, little bit of a lighter... A lighter band? <laughs> Are they? Well, no. They're not white supremacists. Are they? Um, Are they all white supremacists? What did we talk about in our episode? Know if, no, I don't know if they're necessarily white supremacists. Um, well, again, like Burzum, they don't play songs of Middle Earth, really, but their band name comes from the place, the Plateau of Gorgoroth, a wasteland of volcanic ash and toxic flames located in the heart of Mordor. I mean, it makes sense. I feel so fucking metal just talking about these things. Their their lead singer Goth or Goth. <laughs> their lead singer Gall. Gall. There we yes. go. You got it. Yeah, I got it. I remembered it eventually. He is the, as far as I know, only openly gay member of a black metal yes. band. Right. But I assume because he is openly gay, he is not a white supremacist. Yeah, I would like um, to think so. But- however, I believe. The rest of the band members are quite questionable oh. on that subject. But I guess who isn't? I in I don't know. in the world of black metal. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You know what? If you want to hear more, you should listen to our black Norwegian black metal episodes. Yeah. Sure. Is, I don't want to. I don't want to get back into these motherfuckers. Can... So much so that I'm gonna bounce over to Sweden. Yes. So in Sweden we have Amon Amarth. Amon Amarth. Yes. Oh, I said it. <laughs> which is the Sindarin name for Mount Dune. However, most of their songs just deal with Viking mythology, which is fine. That's still good. 
And they went with this name because it sounded magical and powerful. It is. They're a very good band. They are. They're quite good. They're really, I'm not, really good. I'm not dissing them in any way. <laughs> I just, they're, they're not actually Lord of the Rings. Again, not actually Lord of the Rings songs. Just Well, a lot of these bands have Lord of the Rings uh, reference names, but yeah. they don't, they're not, com- they don't completely only reference Lord of the Rings in their songs. Right. They're they just, just want to sound metal and brooding. And a shit ton of stuff that is in like Mordor and the surrounding areas sounds metal as fuck. Yes. So pfft, there you go. Take it. Amonamarth, yeah. Gorgoroth, yeah. Kirithungal, fuck yeah. There we go. Take Just it. Just keep going. We'll bring it back to the States. There's Kirithungal. There we ha- go. <laughs> however, they would pronounce it Sirith apparently. I th- they, they pronounced it wrong, apparently. And well, it would be I don't corrected know. a lot. That, yeah. That's what I that's what they say. Yeah, Kirithungal. They're a band from California where the members are very into sword and stor- sword and sorcery stories. Mm-hmm. Big fans of Tolkien, and they decided to use the Elvish term for Pass the Spider to be their name. It's Pass pa- oh no wait. Pass of the Spider. Yes. It was just very different from Pass the Spider. Yeah, I was like... Pass the Spider is a child's game. Pass of the Spider is treacherous. Yes, it is. That is, I believe, like, the basically the gates to Mordor. Sure. Well, <laughs> why not? And I believe it's also at least where the Witch King of Angmar lives. And he he's, like, the head of the Nazgul. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, that's his, like, tower. His little home. And that's the the entrance to Mordor. Yeah. Look, I know there's at least 500 more, but guess what? I don't have five hours to spare. I don't. I'm sorry. If you want to know more, just fucking... We'll make a playlist. Just look them up. Are you going to talk about Blind Guardian? Girl, I'm getting to that. Okay. I was like, you can't can't end it here. You have to talk about Blind Guardian. It's not over yet. (laughs) This day we fight. (laughs) Most impressive to me, yes. to be quite frank, in the metal category is Blind Guardian. Before these stories were to be experienced as a resurgence of popularity through movie form, this German power metal band went full-blown nerd by releasing an entire concept album telling the story of the Silmarillion, which isn't even like oh the God. well-known stories. The Silmarillion, I, I haven't even read... The Silmarillion, because it's scary. I thought I could because it looks not as big as the other books, but no. It might not be as as big, but it's just as heavy. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Well, because the story takes the listener through a similar journey to the book. It starts in the first age, ends at the dawn of the third, which is when Lord of the Rings takes mm-hmm. place. Isn't Or The Hobbit, even. It's when The Hobbit takes place. Both, actually. Both take place, but, you know, dawn of the third age... Then you have The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. So here's these stories that are, like, not even in stratosphere that we are used to. And the tracks include some spoken word, explaining the story, and many fast-driving power metal songs. And the album was so in demand that it ended up being the first album that they sold in the U.S. The instrumentation is solid. The lyrics and singing are powerful. 
It received immense high praise and perhaps is Blind Guardian's most triumphant uh, triumphant effort to date. So, I would say yes. And I, again, like, I, I don't know shit about The Silmarillion, but I fucking love this album. Well, it's real good. I mean, I, I know of a lot of bands who have been influenced by Lord of the Rings, who have written a song here and there right. about some part of Lord of the Rings, or just name their band after some something in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. They're the only band I know of that actually took on the task of not only having an entire concept album about Lord of the Rings, right. but about the fucking Silmarillion, which is deep. Yeah. That is deep level Lord of the Rings. That is some... Epic shit. Yeah. I, I, all I know is the wizards are angels and the elves sing songs and, and the song was sung wrong and that's why there's Middle Earth. I don't know. I had people try to explain it to me. Y'all I know there's like, me. there's like shards of a tree that go in a crown or something. I think if we're ever going to get backlash, it's going to be on this episode well, and it's going to be from right here. And that's fine. Please explain well, the Silmarillion to me. I'm not going to get mad at that because I did not read the Silmarillion. I, I I'm not ashamed I didn't read the Silmarillion because, quite frankly, I am not ready for it. I need to mentally prepare myself <laughs> for the Silmarillion. I need to do background research. I need to get a basic storyline down. Oh I need to get fucking shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I do before I read this book. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a it's not a light undertaking, guys. But you know, until you're ready to read it, you can always pick up Nightfall in Middle Earth by Blind Guardian. Mm-hmm. And that's also kind of like reading the Silmarillion. Yeah. I fucking love Blind Guardian. Just listen to fucking Blind Guardian. <laughs> do an episode on them because they're fucking boss skip, ass. Skip bitches. the books. Skip the books. Listen to Blind Guardian. Just listen to Blind Guardian. There you go. You know, we look to music to tell us stories, but those stories don't af- always have to be things that we know in our daily lives. Sometimes it's just nice to be taken to a place we'll never see, but with the right instruments and lyrics, it can be explained to us as plain as day. Mm-hmm. And that's really what a lot of these artists have gotten from the Tolkien books. And they've exposed so many people to Tolkien. I bet there are a ton of people who never thought about reading any of these books until they heard Led Zeppelin or Rush or th- heard the Beatles wanted to fucking yeah. make a movie. Well, I think... Uh, Lord of the Rings were the first introduction to fantasy that a lot of people have had mm-hmm. because a lot of people read The Hobbit or get The Hobbit read to them yeah. um, when they're very young. So this is kind of, you know, everybody's introduction to the world of fantasy yeah, and Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and I, everything like that. I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, obviously, first, but then in college I played Dungeons and Dragons. I still fucking play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I can relate so much of, like, thanks to fucking Tolkien, I can play Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of the music that you love, a lot of the rock that you love and the metal, they're so influenced by Tolkien. Yeah. He had a huge contribution to music as we know it, whether you want to admit it or not, which I'm totally going to admit it. Thank you, Tolkien. Yeah. Thanks for making these fucking boss-ass books that maybe I can't read all of them because I'm not mature enough Mentally, yet ever, in, maybe in our mid thirties, <laughs> we're not that <laughs> mentally mature yet. It's fine. One it's fine. day, maybe. 
All right. We have nerded out for a severely long time. Yeah. This was supposed to be a short episode. <laughs> you know what? This, again, self-indulgent. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. I could actually continue to talk about Lord of the Rings forever. I really want to go watch the movies right now. Yep. Like, we don't have enough time. We do not, unless we call it a work tomorrow. Mm. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. But we won't. We're good. We'll be good. <laughs> we'll be good. But if you guys have stuck with us through this whole fucking nerd out, thank you so much. Thank you so much for always tuning in, listening to our stuff. We really appreciate you. And if we got anything wrong or pronounced anything wrong, we're sorry from the bottom of our hearts. Yes. It's it's coming from a place of good intent and love. And also, we're sorry. just remember, we've been drinking. We have been drinking. Although, I, you know, this wine's been settling really nice with me. It's good. It's a very nice wine. <laughs> Honestly, really glad we drank wine tonight. Yeah, this was a good, a nice beer. wine night. I feel bougie. I feel nice and clean. Yep. It's good. And, you know, shout out to Lot 18. If you guys go to Lot 18, you can get the four pack of the Lord of the Rings wines. And the Gandalf one is real good so it's far. It's really good. It also comes with a Frodo, an Aragorn, and a Galadriel. Galadriel. So, you know, there's a lot to go through with this. Anyway, so thank you for listening. And if you really like us, really like what we're doing, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your pods. And feel free to rate and review us as well if you're hanging out there anyway. Mm -hmm. Throw us a couple stars. And you can also follow us on the interwebs. We are on Twitter at RockCandyPod and on Facebook and Instagram at RockCandyPodcast. And always just drop by our website, www.RockCandyPodcast.com. You know, it's all the same stuff, but there's pictures. <laughs> we like pictures. We'll throw pictures yeah. places. Hey, cow. Yeah. All right, guys. So thanks for hanging. We'll see you next time. Thanks for nerding out with us. Thanks for nerding out. We're going to nerd out on some regular type music next week. Yes. It'll be very exciting. I think this will be a fun one. It'll be a long one. It'll be another deep dig, but it'll be fun. A uh, two-parter, right? At least. Probably. At least. <laughs> At least. <laughs> All right, kids. With that. Party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.